everyone. Welcome back to How to Live the Podcast. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Daron, and we are just so happy you decided to tune in today. So we are actually coming to you from New York City. Woohoo! So fun. What a place to be. We've been having so much fun. We are here for work, um, technically, if anyone asks, but we have found a lot of time to squeeze in Lots of fun, some delicious restaurants, um, lots of shopping time and recording some very, very exciting podcast interviews while we're in town as well. So there's lots of things happening here and we're getting a lot of inspiration from our trip already. And stay tuned for some of those epic podcast interviews. But first... We just cannot wait for you to listen to today's interview. It's with one of our very favorite people and a good friend of ours, Emma Abrahams. So Emma is the founder of badass jewelry label Heart of Bone. She's probably one of the coolest podcast guests we've ever had on here. And to be honest, probably just one of the coolest people we know. Emma can talk anyone into anything. And when I tell you anyone, like I'm talking... Carl Lagerfeld, Billie Eilish, Marc Jacobs. She's gotten all these people wearing her jewelry and Marc Jacobs actually happened right in front of our eyes while we were at breakfast with Emma. She went from being complete strangers with him to absolute BFFs, which, you know, we get all the dirt on during this podcast episode. So Emma shared so much incredible knowledge during this episode, um, including why she took the leap into creating handcrafted jewelry in 2013, what it's like running a business that has quickly become so iconic and with only a two-person team, like how the hell does she do that? Um, and of course, she she shared a lot of celebrity secrets. We really like pulled them out of her. Um, but yeah, she just worked with some of the biggest names in the world and she dishes a lot. So get ready. So stick around to the end to hear who our guest is next week. And a little hint, she's incredibly inspiring and is basically changing the world one day at a time. And in the meantime, have fun listening to Emma. So we were reminiscing when we were chatting about you coming in about when we met you, which we just started talking about. That was so random. So how many years ago was that now? It's going to be, it's got to be five and a half or six years ago because it would have been, it's going to be six years in, um, when's Fashion Week? It's May. Now? Oh, oh March. March. Yeah, March. no, no. Yeah, it's the Sydney one. So the Mercedes Fashion oh, Festival. April. Because I was just literally launching the Instagram and having breakfast with my dearest friend, Nat Frid, and she was like, you've got to meet these girls. They're like Instagram sensations. I was like, wow, really? And so, yeah, we, she introduced us, and you were saying, oh, I love the, that jewellery, amazing. And then I learned you something to take I, to I think to you fashion had samples week. there or something. I did. Like I literally picked up, like, my first sample collection that was so random. It was, like, an aerial, the, the Little Mermaid skull ring and some, like, oh random bits. I know you've got, that that origi- you've got that original one. And I'd picked up, like, the first bits that like with the beginning of how to bone and you guys were probably the first people to see it because I think I'd brought it to breakfast to show Nat what I was working on and she was like this is so crazy and we just happened to be at breakfast at the exact same yeah, cafe that yeah, you guys were yeah and she and was like come over and meet my fabulous friend you guys are all gonna love each other and I don't even think she like told us you were just starting it because Nat's like such a PR person yeah, she was like this is my a big friend thing. this amazing <laughs> fabulous label. Label. She's so cool. you were just saying before that like you, you that was launched. the beginning yeah I hadn't yeah. even launched and yet. I didn't even realize that at the time so you 
you guys took like I think it was maybe eight or nine rings up to Sydney and wore them and got like paparazzi in them yes. and then got a shot with Ruby Rose with them who yes. I used to funny fact I used to style her when she was with MTV randomly I think we knew in one that of my past lives her. yeah and so you, I remember you saying that she wanted to be famous like she said she I knew I mean yeah. she just had like she just knew she was destined for that she's incredible yeah. uh yeah so you guys like pretty much launched Heart of Bone in Sydney so thank you so oh, no cool. thank you we still like i don't think a day goes by where i'm not wearing at least oh, two two heart of bone love it love it love yeah. it keep Massive it real fans from the very beginning yeah you guys rock so it's good to be here today watching you do your thing and grow your business and i'm in awe of what you guys have done congratulations uh likewise completely we absolutely love all the things we do every time we like see a vogue cover come through or like you sitting with someone fabulous front row at an international fashion week we're like oh my god emma is just the hustle is real the hustle is real well it's it's taken a a long way to get to this point we'll we'll talk about that while we're here um so i'm just imagining you like being super little in like this like really creative household like really like nurturing your creativity is that what it was like or it were was. you just like a complete random amongst <laughs> your family i'm a bit of a random my dad has always been a motorbike mechanic so he collected motorbikes through and throughout my life we never really had a dining room table we just had like a big sheet over the table with just so many motorbike engines so i've sort of always grown up around machinery and being able to use your hands is like a big thing for everyone in my family. Like my aunt, Rochelle King, does crochet, amazing crochet work. And she's quite like well-known. I think she's got pieces in the National Galleries collection. She's like a really amazing artist in her own right. And my grandparents on both sides were in the rag trade. So my dad's parents were had an alterations business for years. And I grew up like on the cutting floor using scraps to make dresses and gowns and stuff. And I think there was a time when I was younger where I thought, you know, I'd inevitably end up in the fashion industry because I just that was just a thing for me that I just loved dressing up and I loved using clothing to express myself but then like maybe having the skills of dads like the way he'd put you know his bikes back together and pull them apart again and the way he could use his hands to build anything was probably I guess from a young age sort of showed me that I could pretty much do anything Mm. um and my parents gave me this belief in myself that as an artist it didn't sort of put me in a box like they never sort of said oh you should go into graphic design because it's commercial or you should you know do this or you should do that I sort of they stepped back and let me sort of find my own way to, to be an artist and to make money you know within an industry that's really hard to make money in so I've had a pretty broad background in fashion consulting and sort of creative strategy yeah. and then I think as a buyer, when I was buying for Husk, like I always wanted accessories that were different and sort of standout pieces. And I could never really find them. And I kept going to trade fairs and fashion weeks and like, oh, that's the same. And oh, that's the same in that magazine. And oh, what are you wearing? I know what that is because everyone's wearing it and it's all the same. Yeah, there's a lot of the same stuff in fashion. Yeah. Because like something catches on and then everybody's kind of doing some version of that. Well, people mm. are followers. Like naturally, that's what they do is that they want to fit in and they want to be part of something. And so they buy into that. And they easiest way to do that is through branding and through fashion so oh you've got a Louis Vuitton bag oh I know that that's worth three and a half thousand dollars so oh you that you must be you know a certain status so all all fashion does that like even if you are like an avid op shop you've got a certain style people go oh wow you've got great style so you know it's how we communicate ourselves Mm -hmm. and our personalities and so finding those things that communicated who I was I would sort of you know hunt flea markets and stuff trying to find things that and I just 
couldn't find anything. And it's the same with homewares. And I just couldn't, as a buyer, find the homewares I was after. Mm. And so Heart of Bone actually started as an idea that was meant to be a homewares brand. Cool. Not anything else. because oh, so you I'm, named it as yeah. a homewares brand. So yeah. did you start to like explore the homewares and like expand I did. the range? So I've done like so many drawings of porcelain plates. Like I've done maybe oh, how many ranges, I don't know. I've drawn them and they're all beautiful, like with 18th century sort of French influences, but with like this gothic twist, like snakes and skulls, but beautiful laurel wreaths of ivy and gilding. And they're really incredible. So I went on this mission to try and cost all that out. And the investment was like, it was going to be about 250 grand to, to get all the sampling done. And, and I did all the research and I went to a few factories around the world and I thought, wow, this is just actually, this is not something that I can do on my own. And yeah, after I did a bit of research, I realized that that was something I would do later. It's not something that you necessarily start out doing. The homewares thing led me into trying to create the cut, like the idea of heart of bone led me to go to a wax carving course to carve the cutlery that I was going to make for the heart of bone Uh homewares range. And I went to William Griffiths from Metal Couture who did like a wax carving course. It was every Tuesday night for four weeks. And I turned up and I said said to him, I I have carving experience because I used to work in antiques, but I've never worked with jeweler's wax. And that's how like the skulls came about because I was trying to make this cutlery that was like, had skulls on the end of it. And so... Well, that would be ridiculous. I know, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And William was like, I can't teach you how to make um, cutlery, but I can teach you how to make a ring and we're in a jeweler's course. So how about you just learn how to do that? And then I made myself a skull ring that I really wanted myself. And then, yeah, one thing led to another. And I was so addicted to making rings and skull rings because I'd like, I'd found my perfect... Jewelry. Yeah, so that itself happened so organically Very as well. Very much so. So the subject matter is really has evolved, but it's all, it's always been really pretty and it's always been funny, humorous and sort of beautiful and it's always had aspects of you know, so much like I've pulled so much inspiration from 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 everywhere and a lot of things from my antique background like there'll be beautiful like wreaths and gorgeous leaves and flowers and grapes dripping and a lot of symbology and there's there's so much woven into a lot of my designs that you might not pick first off but when Mm. you own one you can see in the detail there's a lot of referencing yeah and a lot of it's back to 18th century French and Italian and English antiques and painted furniture and I think that just comes naturally so as much as it is that dark edge it's also really feminine well and it's funny because just hearing you describe it I feel like you've just described your personality like and your own style you know it's like at first glance like you know it's very rock chick but then like you're also wearing a a Mickey Mouse top today and you know and you're also in leopard print shoes and I feel like there's like a lot of layers to you and your creativity so the creative side is obviously something that comes so naturally to you how have you dealt with like the business and the growth side? Right. Uh, I have had a few business consultants come in and do different scenarios for how we would grow like as a global brand because every day I get emails and DMs, where's your store in London or where's your store in New York or where can I buy it in Tokyo or I'm only in LA for a few days, which store should I go to? And I'm like, oh, you guys, it's just me and my brother. Yeah. <laughs> we might do a really good job of looking like yeah. That's still like I take all those photos on my iPhone for my social media. Like that is just another authentic like yeah it's another extension of just what we do like we don't know what we're going to post tomorrow I just post whatever I I feel like it's not like there's no plan for that stuff the business you do need planning around and that is difficult but I have come from a fashion 
background and we did have stores and at one point we had 47 staff so I do know how to manage people and I do know how to manage business structure it's just hard when you're growing and it does change so yeah we've drawn up lots of different strategies and we've talked to lots of different consultants and I've had a general manager in as a consultant for a while now who's fantastic and he's got lots of retail experience and wholesale experience but you can't really I guess you don't really it's it's evolving is what I'm trying to say so managing that structure is just something as a small business you've still got control of I think as we grow up if we do start to do retail that will be a different beast and at that point I would need a partner or mm. someone to come in you know as a full-time general manager who can do the things that I'm not great at and fill in those gaps but yeah I mean there'll be a time where that that happens we're not quite there yet and I think I'm really comfortable with where we're at now where I can still experiment and like we can still play around with what that structure looks like moving forward. Yeah, we feel like the the same way. Like hearing you speak about it, like it's it's been like a similar situation for us. Is like we we're constantly like looking at things and how could we be doing things better and how could we introduce systems. We have like consultants come in the business and they draw out plans for us and we're like, yes, this is right. And then the next day we're it's like, not. it's wrong. Yeah. And so yeah, but I think there's like that ability to kind of. Like it almost, it takes a lot of courage to be like, oh, I just invested in this. I thought it was going to be this way. I started telling my friends it was going to be this way. But then to say like, oh, actually, that doesn't feel right. That's like what's, there's the real bravery in it. But it is, but that's also a journey. And I think a lot of brands like listen to what a lot of people say. Like I've had stylists say to me, oh, you know, you should make, like the the shop should be really pretty and it should be like white and it should have like really, and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, and that's not going to appeal to, you know, everyone wants to give you like an opinion. Yeah, of what they think is going to be right for you. And in the end, like I've tried maybe to do a few things that are out of my comfort zone and they haven't sold and they haven't felt right and I've tried to take photo shoots that I've been told would be more commercial and they don't talk to me and they don't really talk to my customer so I think I've just got to start I keep listening to my gut and just keep believing in myself because I've I've done it to this point and I think I've created something that people really really want to be part of like Mm. it's a community that people really love but they're really proud to be wearing the brand and they sort of buy into something that's not just something because of fashion like it's a lifestyle and they they know that I'm on the other end of that DM or they know that they can visit the studio and my hands are filthy and you know I've got band-aids all over them and they're bleeding and they can come and see the workshop like it's really transparent so yeah that that side of things is that's the easy stuff uh just trusting your gut with that because you just you know that you're doing the right thing I can feel it when I start listening to other people and you start being driven by like how much money you need to make or that starts to get then you start to get really commercial and Mm. I am not I don't know how to do that without losing the authenticity yeah and that authenticity is really what does come through from you like at the end of the day you have created a brand that is so authentically you and I think people feel that and people really connect with that and one way that you've really like been putting that out there is through Instagram like and you've been you know, you've grown your Instagram over the last few years in a time that it feels like brands are really struggling to grow. Yeah. Tell us your secrets. What have uh, you... <laughs> well, there's I not feel that... like you used to come for us to I ask know, for our secrets I and know. now it's like the tables have turned. so true. It's so funny. Um, Instagram's been really organic and I think that's also because I do it. Like, 
I comment and I'm like on the DMs all the time and I respond to everyone who talks to me. It's, a, it's like having a shop. It's a shop to the world. So you've got to treat it like that and treat, you know, all your customers with respect and everything. And I love, I love me. I've met friends on Instagram. <laughs> I've met new friends that I've actually caught up with like in the world and we've become really good friends in person, not just through Instagram. And you can get that sort of snap it into someone's like snip into someone's life where you really see who they are through through this app it's absolutely amazing and it's got this great i don't know it's a community spirit yeah so the instagram thing's been interesting for me because for when i first started i think because i've had such a sort of high-end fashion background i immediately just thought my brand would be that you know when you think of yourself in some way and then when you start meeting your customers and they're not like it's taken years for the fashion industry like even stylists who i've always admired and worked with like to even follow heart of bone it mm-hmm. hasn't really been like a oh there's this girl and she's this you know started this brand and we all automatic know her and fashion going, tick of no approval. no absolutely not mm. it's been really hard and, and coming from that other end as a buyer and creative who was like an Australian retailer working with major brands I was sort of surprised I've got to say like I was thought I thought I'm going to start this thing and it's going to be great everyone's going to support me and they're all going to get it and then people were like we so don't get this like what I are you doing this is scary well and it's like whenever you're doing something different like it just takes people a little bit of time to warm up to you like that's yep. definitely in our experience it's like no matter how cool it is, no matter how cool you know it is and you know what's cool, they people are just a bit funny and they just take time. Well, you guys are serious trendsetters then because you were my first celebrity customer. It's true. <laughs> ahead of the curve. But like, yeah, the, the same things happen to us with tubes. Like, we have been knocking down like, you know, media journalists stores just for keep years. Knocking. Yeah, and you, you gotta just got to keep knocking. And only like now three and a half years in, really over the last six months, they've started to knock on our door and... Finally, we hit it the Vogue September issue, but really, like, it took a really long time for us with tubes. It takes longer than you and think. And we were like, they're cool, we promise. Like, look, yeah. And, and you've got to be patient shoes. and you got to play the long game. And that's, like, you know, exactly what you're talking about is, like, yep. you expect it to be further along in five years, but, like, really, you've been patient, you've done what's right, you've followed your heart, and now it's leading so you to this. And but it, that's yeah. also the Instagram. So I think what was interesting and it's always something that I really do like to share with people when I speak in public it's actually not what content you create and this is what surprises people and they'll go oh it's such a big surprise it's not to me and I know with like a social media sharing app like that you can be and I know some incredibly talented jewelers people who are more talented than me who have trained who are actually trained jewelers I know amazing creatives who have a thousand followers Mm. and they've got better content than me and they have studio shots and they've got big art business that are turning over more money but they can't create the Instagram thing it's actually not what content you create it's what other people do for you and so I have an obsession with nails and I think by working with a whole lot of manicurists and manicure artists I think one of my strategies like I didn't really realize at the time it was a strategy because I'm not really like that with marketing I'm actually not great with marketing people go you're so amazing I'm not it's actually just it's all in your head yeah um but like looking back on how the Instagram grew, and it's not that big. It's like 113 or 14,000 or something. Yeah. Well, I look at others that have got like... Yeah, I know. There's so many yeah. brands struggle. Well, and yeah, no, then this is what I'm saying. So it's not necessarily what content you create because I can create some great content. It might get like 500 likes. Yet I've been picked up and I've gone viral a few times with some of my hand shots with the nails mm. and the nail community on Instagram. It's like one of the... You, you guys know this. You love manicures. It's yeah. one of like the most looked at hashtags. And I think that getting the rings... like 
because I've had to, I've almost styled my hands. So having my hands as my, like I shoot them with my phone and I, it's often not a set up shot. It's like, I'm going out. Like, this is what rings I'm wearing. This is what nails I'm wearing. I'm just gonna take a photo and put it on Instagram. It's not like a set up. So it's not like you spent three no, hours. No, it's so shot. not. I've got like that face tune app and I do a little bit of that on my hands because I'm like 43 <laughs> and I have to. Younger. Yeah, yeah, moving on. I'm actually but, born to be a hand model, so you can use no, them anytime. Got, your hands are too, there's, there's like, yeah, they're too thin. <laughs> they're they're the beautiful. Oh, no, no, I'll, 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 you're, you're, oh, yeah, that's true. Beautiful, beautiful hands. <laughs> both of you do. Yeah, so I really am a big believer in it's really not what you create. It's about what other people do for you. So the best thing about that social media sharing is that people want to if they aspire to something or if they love an image they'll share it again heaps of times it happens without credit which really annoys me mm. and if I see it I'm always like please credit me I'm an artist and I you know I really deserve to be credited that's like one of my pet hates is like people not tagging on Instagram and not tagging talent it really pisses me off but that's like it's an industry thing and it, it comes down to respect but anyway we can talk about that another time uh the <laughs> so strategy for people- growth has actually been yeah people sharing my images and some of the some of like the content pages I can't remember what they're called but they might have like a million followers they'll share an image of mine and tag us and then oh, we just end like up a, getting an account called like cool nails yeah or something yeah like that. Or something like that yeah. and then you end up getting like a thousand followers in a day and I guess you can't really track it because Instagram I still doesn't really have like sometimes the feed fills up at night time and I'll wake up at seven in the morning with like 3,000 new followers and I go, how the hell? And I have to track back. No, I can't see where they came from. So Uh, that's taken like a while to get... That's great growth. Yeah, I know, no, no, it happens. It's a good problem to have. Someone like like Kelly uh, Osborne got some pieces of us when she was in Melbourne and she posted to her like three and a half million or four million fans and then like I couldn't use my phone all day. If I I would have had notifications on, I wouldn't have been able to use it because you grow like... 5,000 followers from a post like that. Yeah. yeah. Like Slash well, posted with his rings that he got when he was in Melbourne and he posted to like, I don't know, across Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, maybe like 11 million and oh you, know, you just flood. Okay, yeah. I feel like I'm glad you've segued, segued us into celebrities because we obviously need to talk all about celebrities with you today. <laughs> I don't know yeah, how like this I has even like happened. It's like, it's crazy. It's like a cult sort of celebrity thing. We going. know how it's happened because we've, we've seen, seen you in action. action and we actually tell this story to people. Oh, is this all the Mark Jacobs? Yeah, this oh sums God. you so up. We're, we're all in LA and I think we were catching up for breakfast at, at Chateau, Chateau Maman. Maman. We and were, then we were. we're just like sitting there having a great time and then you, you're like, Hang on a second, guys. Mark Jacobs over there. Sorry. Like, I think we were also like 10 minutes into the brekkie. And you were like, so Mark rude. I'm Jacobs. so sorry, guys. No, it's not. It's amazing. You're like, Mark Jacobs over there. I just really want to go and introduce myself. I think you had a ring. You know, um, I actually had, had a ring You had him. made a ring I was him. painting him for my show. And I couldn't find high-res images of his tattoos online because he's got them all over his chest. And I needed to paint them into the background of the painting. So one of the reasons I wanted to meet him was to get his shirt off so I could take photos off his chest. Oh when my God, I is that him, what you were doing? Yeah, so when I saw him outside, I said, I've got to go and have a ciggy with Mark so yeah, I can you, get you him alone. Yeah, you came running back to the table yeah. two minutes later. Sorry, I'm just grabbing my ciggies. Me and Mark are going for a ciggy. And we're like laughing like... How does she do this? Yeah. Like, if we see a celebrity, we are lucky if we, like, you know, be like, hi, can we get a yeah, selfie? But, so like, funny. how are you so cool and you come off as well, so cool Well, I needed the them. photos. And we so, didn't know you were yeah. getting his top off back there. <laughs> it was so funny. We're so, sitting there at the table with your husband. It's funny. Just, like, casually. Yeah. No, Mark was cool. So I was wearing this denim jacket, like, covered in badges. I've always got 
really cool jackets. Hey, I'm doing a collaboration with Levi's soon. That's oh, what I'm amazing. Talk about. Yeah, I mean, I've always lived in my Levi's. But uh, yeah, so I saw Mark and I really needed those photos because I could not find like the high res version. So I had a really good look at them and took some photos. And he said, can I take some photos of your denim jacket? And, you know, we both did a bit of a thing and he loved the ring. So I, I gave him a couple of rings, which, yeah, that was really, that was a really cool moment. But like that, that yeah, that's one side of it. When that's you approach a- someone and you just say, I love you so much. Can you wear this? Or do you want to wear this? Most people are really happy to you know support you and and they you know they really like the brand so and then along the way you meet them again like sometimes I meet them again and they say yeah how's it all going so it's that or they they see a friend with it and then it makes more sense to them how they got it in the first place but that's been there's only been a few times where I've done stuff like that usually they come to me and like also because they're custom like I feel like you know like Mark Jacobs, the ring that you gave him, that was Mark Jacobs' skull, right? No, it was a, he got a Bowie skull. Oh, but you do that with Carmen like, Miranda one. But with like Jean Paul Gaultier. Yeah, I made a custom for him. That yeah, was the, that's you so know clever. that you're going to meet them. That and was you the make funniest story. Do you want to hear this story? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. so embarrassing. You hustled oh your way God. into a party. Yeah, I totally did. What happened? I've got this. Is the Oh my god, I can't believe I'm telling this on a podcast. <laughs> All right, this is so typically me. Okay, so a friend of mine's parents, I can't, don't even know if I can say this. Oh my god, I'm in trouble. <laughs> a friend of mine's parents are on the board of the National Gallery and they donate for certain exhibitions. And he couldn't go, his parents were away and he couldn't go Your with friend. his wife, my friend. No names, okay? He couldn't go. So he said, um, why don't, John Paul Gaultier is going to be there. I know how much you love fashion and you love him. Why don't you go and, t- you and Justin go and take my place. It's going to be, it's like a cocktail party. It's a big thing. No one's going to notice. You go and take my place and then you can go and make him, why don't you make him a ring? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to make him a ring. I'm going to make him a ring. I'm going to meet John Paul Gaultier. So I was <laughs> super excited. I talked my husband into going. He didn't want to go because he was like, we're not invited. And I said, no, it's fine. It's going to be a big thing. You just come with me. I'm going to make this ring. Anyway, reluctantly, he came along and we walked in and they gave us our name tags, which is like my friend's name and his wife. <laughs> no! And then, no, this is so embarrassing. And then Tony Elwood, who's the head, was the head of the NGV, started this speech thanking us for the for funding the exhibition oh my god it was so embarrassing yes yes and it was too late for us to because we just got the stickers and walked in and it was too late for us to go oh my (laughs) not really because i didn't want to get kicked out it was like you know being like turning up at this party because i had this ring and i'd made it was covered in diamonds i was so excited we just we were just like it was the worst scenario so i was saying to justin no one's gonna know we're there and then suddenly you know the director of the gallery is giving a speech to us and all of us like we're standing next to all these people we knew and they're look, looking around for my friend going why is he looking at you and talking about him it was crazy oh my gosh anyway i've apologized to tony after that because i was like i'm so sorry i've got to tell you this story and he just laughed his head off he was oh like it's God, so amazing. fine that's the funniest story ever <laughs> so yeah after that embarrassing moment uh we ended up meeting mr gautier and he was he was so humble and incredible and he's no one's ever done this you know anything you like this literally make i literally made him yeah with the baton stripes as like sapphire stripes around his skull and then a, a diamond sort of sailor hat like I pretty much copied like the influences of Gaultier into this ring and I did that as a gift because he'd given me so much inspiration over my over my life like I think he was one of the first designers I really really saved up like in my first jobs to buy like Cosi Ipanema like I would go and buy it on sale and I just loved his prints and that that darkness that he had and everything that he had about his clothing it just really spoke to me as a like young woman and, and even as a like, like a teenager so, so it was genuine. a gift to give back you yeah, know I like wasn't really like 
you know, to, it, did, it did fit him. And I've had a few people say that they've seen him wear it, so that's great. But mm. it wasn't like it was really – it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to give it to Jean-Paul Gaultier because – I don't know. I just really felt that I wanted to do that. Like it was my friend's idea and I thought, yeah, I'm going to do it. And that was really cool and I've got photos of him in it. I don't use them that often, but it was just a really nice thing to do to get my brand out there and, well, I, and I, it's I set a bar of like, I, wait a second, I want like all my idols to wear this. So well, get, getting one to Carl Lagerfeld was like the, the, the ultimate. Yeah, like tell us a story. I met this friend on Instagram who's a journalist. And this is just so good about Instagram. It's like you've, your tribe attracts your tribe. It just happens. And I've been really lucky like that. Um, so I met this friend and we arranged to meet in Paris when I was doing some showings there a few years ago. And I had brought a Karl Lagerfeld ring with me and she'd sort of said, you know, who's your... She wasn't interviewing me. We were just having lunch. And she said, um, you know, what do you want to do while you're in Paris? And I'm like, well, I'd love to get to meet Carl Lagerfeld because I've got this ring and I really want to, I really want to give him one. And she said, well, I'm having breakfast with him tomorrow. I said, you are not. And she said, yeah, I am. We have breakfast all the time and I'm doing an interview for something. And so I said, well, will you wrap it up and give it to him? And she, um, she emailed me the next morning and, yeah, with a, with a photo saying the boss loves your ring. And she said he just he could see it was really well made and handcrafted and he said it was beautiful and he loved it and he didn't put it on and he didn't take it off for the whole interview. And I'm assuming he wore it again. So uh, that was like, I was like, I'm done. And then you got invited to the Chanel show. Yeah, then he invited me to the show and that was pretty special, like to see an incredible Chanel runway show. That was like bucket list stuff. So that was oh so cool. God. God. Yeah, really uh, standing like next incredible. to all the and celebs. I think, yeah, there are two things there. Is like one, you are so genuine about it. Like you well, I wanted make him them to with have love it. and care. Yeah. yeah, you make it knowing that like they're going to love it. Yeah, but also it is really fucking clever. That's those people would get given so many gifts every single day. But having something that's uniquely made for them, of it's them, them <laughs> on it, yeah, them. So is really clever. And then someone else that we were chatting about before who absolutely loves your stuff is Billie Eilish. Yeah, she. She's been so great for us. She's such she's such an amazing human. How did she find you? We had a um, we did a project with this showroom in LA for about six months. It's called the Residency Experience, and it is um, it's been backed by B Ackerland, who's a stylist. She does like a lot of video clips and and like major looks for Hollywood celebrities, like lots of music industry. Um, she does Madonna's tour outfits and lots of work with Beyonce. She's got this incredible career. Her husband's a film director. Like they were sort of set within that really upper echelon of Hollywood styling. And I've got a friend who's friends with her and she contacted us both and said, I think Emma should meet you and talk about some opportunities for Los Angeles. Because we started getting pulls from stylists in LA and we didn't have a home for it. And I thought, well, we should try a showroom and see if that works. Uh, so we we did you know a, like a project with her and I had a showroom in LA for six months and we worked on a few projects together for a few rock bands and stuff and that was great but one of the stylists came into the showroom and saw our collection and borrowed it for this young girl Billie Eilish who was just starting her career I think she was 15 so it was going back like two and a half years and they did this photo shoot and I just saw the high reds and I was like oh man I can't post this like this girl is like She's too young no no she wasn't too young she was cool it's just that I didn't get the styling at the time it was really street style and it wasn't really where we were at at the time okay. it was like all bright green and bright yellow and this chick with this big baseball shirt and really baggy pants and sneakers is wearing all my jewelry and I thought wow you know that is the look like that is that going to work is this like can we go across go. those Billie Eilish can was we ahead cross, of you she was so ahead of her time yeah can we cross these both worlds like this girl's really dark but she's also into serious street style 
uh, and she's getting you know that whole all those pop culture references you know from rap she's get she's mixing this mm. is this a thing and so obviously it's a thing because it's what a lot of our customers do and they still like i've got yeah random customers but she was probably one of the first ones that you know we really I, I, we started working with her when she was 15 and she's been you know we've done custom stuff for her directly with her we've worked with her style team to put her looks together for tour and you know she'll swap some stuff out she'll buy some stuff we'll design some stuff together we change it up but we didn't know she was going to be the number one artist in the world we mm. just backed her because we loved her we just thought she had a really incredible brave spirit and a great sense of style and she was doing something that no one's really done before and she's really talented yeah. so me and lenny just went come on let's work with this let's work with her like we really believed in her and her style team are awesome to work with so why not you know they've always been great and they tag us and they credit us and you know why not and so yeah when her album blew up we were like oh my god (laughs) Uh, that's it's really incredible to be part of that journey and you have this incredible you know this incredible powerhouse on tour wearing all your stuff like on stage every night yeah she's Mm. dripping in it yeah like we designed these black bunnies and she got the prototype uh, which we we didn't really even know that we only ordered 70 of them like we thought that there was like we're never gonna sell 70 and we sold them out in like 10 days because she launched it at Coachella I did she she'd had it and she hadn't really worn it and so I think she'd had it for two weeks is that what we're wearing right now yeah you're wearing one she had it and then she was suddenly like I was in Morocco and I woke up like my phone was going crazy with all these people texting and they were like Billy Eilish is like doing Coachella in your ring and I was like scrambling around trying to figure out like where we could launch it and they, they weren't ready yet so we had to do like a pre-order thing but that's just one of those funny business things where you mm. think if she she's not going to wear it for ages, then we've got time but no we, we didn't if you believe in your product and you're really good at what you do and if you've got something that's like so different from everything else people really do do it for you and it, it's not we've been really lucky with the way people have supported us on social media but they're sort of things that people have really wanted to share and that is how it goes. So it really does help to have someone with 35 million followers, absolutely. Like, but also a lot of those followers are 12. So they're not necessarily customers. They're people who are gonna be aspirational to the brand and they're great for Instagram, but Instagram, as you know, does not drive web traffic and it mm. does not drive sales. So even if you've got, I don't know, I don't know what the Instagram figures are, but you'd have to assume that you've got like 30% of just shadow people who don't ever check it. Like mm. they've signed up for it, they're following you, but they're not active and then there's got to be at least 30 percent of them that are underage or they're going to be under 15 with no income Mm. and that's a lot of instagram followers i mean if you've got a hundred however many thousand and then there's the ones that you know they're just stalking and watching they're not really customers how many customers have you got three percent or something and so you really it doesn't drive web traffic or sales it is great to have someone like billy eilish representing the brand and we love working with her and you know let's make be creative because i'm like i want to make this with this and will she wear it yes so that is awesome and it has you know it's meant that a lot of the rap community have come to us like we just work for little nas x so cool yeah so so i think like about like the way like social media and also celebrities like they don't necessarily make sales but like I kind of see it as like there are two sides to marketing. One is driving sales and one is generating brand awareness. Yep. And I feel like you've got you to do are, you've got to do you, all of it. Yeah, exactly. You've got to focus on both of them. Yep. Um but like brand awareness alone, I think that's why people look at your brand and go, "Whoa, you are so bloody successful" because it's like people don't know at the end of the day how many sales you're making. Yep. But that brand awareness piece is something we've always said that we're quite good at as well and we've struggled to balance it 
with the sales side but like brand awareness is what makes people go oh okay this is awesome and I guess it's also the start of making the sales as well yeah so cool oh my goodness I feel like you have a gazillion stories and we could talk to you forever um we end every episode with some quick fires um so I will ask you the first one which celebrity are you next planning to make a piece of jewelry for oh don't you know I really want to do something for Madonna and I never have she got a pair of Slayer earrings and a black diamond cross once and she's I haven't seen her wear them but I I want to get something to her it's just a thing it's a childhood thing yeah what is your favorite city in the world oh New York really I didn't see that one coming I thought you were gonna say Paris yeah I love Paris both special yeah both we're actually going to new york in a couple weeks enjoy um uh what makes you happy and my kids and my pets oh yeah also have a gorgeous cat no no painting makes me terribly unhappy yeah i've got (laughs) a shadow and ghost yeah my kids and my my family my husband my pets my kids yeah um what is your dream collab oh rick owens Ooh, watch this space. <laughs> watch this space. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last one. We know the answer, but this is a great story. Um, who did Justin, your husband, take to his year twelve formal? <laughs> Carly Minogue. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. It's so, so random. Cute. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks. Oh my goodness, that was just. So much fun getting to sit down with Emma and hearing so many details about her business. It's funny when you have friends and you kind of see their brand grow and you see them doing all these cool things, but it was actually super special to get time to sit down and actually talk through what's been happening um, even like day to day. And also just like hearing her talk about, you know, the celebrities and things like that and people she's engaging with her brand, you know, I feel like anytime we see her posting about this stuff on Insta, we're like, oh my God, of course, like that's so Emma, like Emma can do that. But literally hearing her talk about it, it's just like, again, comes back to like putting yourself out there, hustling, just like, you know, if you don't ask, you won't get. And like Emma is such a testament to that. And I know we like talk about it all the time, but it was really just such a great reminder that that is just so goddamn true. Totally. I love Emma's hustle. She is so awesome. We need your help, please, to get as many ears and eyeballs on the podcast as possible so people can hear awesome stories like Emma's. So please share this episode with your friends if you liked it. Leave us a review. Um, five stars would be appreciated if you feel so generous. And um, but like that Uber driver that's like, can you give me five stars? Totally. That annoying Uber driver. I hate when they do that. Sorry Same. to be that annoying person. Um, and also share a pic of you listening to the podcast on Insta. We want to see where you are right now. And DM us if this has inspired you. What are you going to go out and start or what celebrity are you going to approach because of this episode? Next week on the podcast, we have the incredible Loretta Bolton, who is the heart and soul behind Free to Feed, which is an incredible social enterprise that's battling some of the issues that people seeking asylum are facing, things like isolation and a lack of employment. And they're doing this by getting people to cater and run cooking classes with their home cuisine. She is so incredibly inspiring. Here's a little snippet. 
I think where there's a choice to to make a purchase or to buy from a social enterprise or a business that sort of has bigger values or is contributing something good, whether that be to the environment or to helping people, it's, it's a no-brainer for me. You know, when I think about it, when like, you know, I'm brainstorming about what can happen with Free to Feed and where Free to Feed can go, I'm just like, this is massive. Like every dollar that's ever spent on catering should actually be doing social good at the exact same time. That's on the podcast next week. We will see you then. Have a great one. And we'll be eating mac and cheese in New York.